Hi, and welcome to Sleep Tight Relax. Hi there, and welcome to this episode of Sleep Tight Relax, sounds, music, and stories for calming busy minds. In this episode's sleep story, Cheryl shares the story of Aladdin, which is probably best known for the Disney adaptation of the original folk tale. Aladdin is most probably of Middle Eastern origin, and despite not being part of the original Arabic text of the Book of 1001 Nights, it is one of the best-known tales associated with that collection. We hope it helps you in your quest for calm. Now, let's begin to relax. As always, before we continue, I recommend you first find a suitable environment for comfort. If you are ready for sleep or just taking a break, turn the lights down and find your comfortable place. You can lie down if you like or just sit. Position your pillows or your other little comforts. Remove distractions. Turn off notifications. Now, take a few deep breaths to transition you from the before to the now. Let your breath deepen and slow. Fill in your lungs as much as you can, and then releasing the air. Focus on your breath, not on what happened during the day or what needs to be done. All that is important is what you are doing now. With each breath you take, you let go a little bit more of any tension you might have had. Take your time. Now take another deep breath in and hold. Then relax. Breathe in and hold. Then relax. Try this again, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth and taking this deeper breath 
as you comfortably can. Take a deep breath in and hold. Now relax. You can try that a few more times before you return to your normal way of breathing. you're not doing anything special, just breathing naturally. Focus on the story, the sounds, and the music. I hope you enjoy tonight's sleep story and have a deep, Relaxing sleep. Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp. There once lived a poor tailor who had a son called Aladdin careless, idle boy who would do nothing but play all day in the streets with little idle boys like himself. This grieved the father so much he passed away, yet in spite of his mother's tears and prayers, Aladdin did not mend his ways. One day, when he was playing in the streets as usual, a stranger asked him his age, and if he were not the son of Mustafa the tailor. I am, sir, replied Aladdin, but he died a long while ago. On this, the stranger, who was a famous magician, fell on him and kissed him, saying, I am your uncle and knew you from your likeness to my brother. Go to your mother and tell her I am coming. Aladdin ran home and told his mother of his newly found uncle. Indeed, child, he said, your father had a brother, but I always thought he was dead. However, she prepared supper, bade Aladdin seek his uncle, came laden with wine and fruit. Presently fell down and kissed the place where Mustafa used to sit, bidding Aladdin's mother not to be surprised, not having seen him before, as he had been 40 years out of the country. He then turned to Aladdin and asked him his trade, at which the boy hung his head while his mother burst into tears. On learning that Aladdin was idle and would learn no trade, he offered to take a shop for him and stock it with merchandise. Next day, he bought Aladdin a fine suit of clothes and took him all over the city, 
showing him the sights, and brought him home at nightfall to his mother, who was overjoyed to see her son so fine. Next day, the magician led Aladdin into some beautiful gardens a long way outside the city gates. They sat down by a fountain, and the magician pulled a cake from his bag, which he divided between them. They then journeyed onwards till they almost reached the mountains. Aladdin was so tired that he begged to go back, but the magician beguiled him with pleasant stories and led him on in spite of himself. At last, they came to two mountains divided by a narrow valley. We will go no farther, said the false uncle. I will show you something wonderful, only I need you to gather up sticks while I kindle a fire. When it was lit, the magician threw on it a powder he had with him the same time saying some magical words. The earth trembled a little and opened in front of them, disclosing a square flat stone with a brass ring in the middle to raise it by. Aladdin tried to run away, but the magician caught him and knocked him down. What have I done, uncle? He said, confused. Whereupon the magician said more kindly, Fear nothing, but obey me. Beneath this stone lies a treasure which is to be yours, and no one else may touch it, so you must do exactly as I tell you. At the word treasure, Aladdin forgot his fears and grasped the ring as he was told, saying the names of his father and grandfather. The stone came up quite easily, and some steps appeared. Go down, said the magician. At the foot of those steps, you will find an open door leading into three large halls. Tuck in your clothes and go through them without touching anything. These halls lead into a garden of fine fruit trees. Walk on till you come to a place on a terrace where stands a lighted lamp. Pour out the oil it contains and bring it to me. He drew a ring from his finger and gave it to Aladdin, bidding him good luck. Aladdin found everything as the magician had said, gathered some fruit off the trees, and having got the lamp, arrived at the mouth of the cave. The magician cried out in a great hurry, make haste and give me the lamp. This Aladdin refused to do until he was out of the cave. 
the magician flew into a terrible rage. And throwing some more powder on fire, he said something, and the stone rolled back into its place. The magician left Persia forever, which plainly showed that he was no uncle of Aladdin's, but a cunning magician who had read in his magic books of a wonderful lamp which would make him the most powerful man in the world. Though he alone knew where to find it, he could only receive it from the hand of another. He had picked out the idol Aladdin for this purpose, intending to get the lamp and leave him there afterwards. For two days, Aladdin remained in the dark, crying. At last, he put his hands together in prayer, and in so doing, rubbed the ring, which the magician had forgotten to take from him. Immediately, an enormous genie rose out of the earth, saying, What would you do with me? I am the slave of the ring and will obey thee in all things. Aladdin fearlessly replied, Deliver me from this place. Whereupon the earth opened, and he found himself outside. As soon as his eyes could bear the light, he went home, but fainted on the threshold. When he came to, he told his mother what had happened and showed her the lamp and the fruits he had gathered in the garden, which were really precious stones. He then asked for some food. Alas, child, she said, I have nothing in the house, but I have spun a little cotton and will go and sell it. Aladdin bade her keep her cotton, for he would sell the lamp instead. As it was very dirty, she began to rub it, that it might fetch a higher price. Instantly, a huge genie appeared and asked what she would have. She fainted away, but Aladdin, snatching the lamp, said boldly, Fetch me something to eat. The genie returned with a silver bowl, twelve silver plates containing rich meats, two silver cups, and two bottles of wine. Aladdin's mother, when she came to herself, said, Where did this splendid feast come from? Ask not, but eat, replied Aladdin. So they sat at breakfast till it was dinner time. And Aladdin told his mother about the lamp. She begged him to sell it and have nothing to do with it. No, said Aladdin. Since chance has made us aware of its virtues, we will use it and the ring likewise, which I shall always wear on my finger. 
when they had eaten all the genie had brought, Aladdin sold one of the silver plates, and so on till none were left. He then had to call the genie, who gave him another set of plates, and so they lived for many years. One day, Aladdin heard an order from the Sultan proclaiming that everyone was to stay at home and close their shutters while the princess, his daughter, went to and from the bath. Aladdin was seized by a desire to see her face, which was very difficult as she always went veiled. He hid himself behind the door of the bath and peeped through a chink. The princess lifted her veil as she went in and looked so beautiful that Aladdin fell in love with her at first sight. He went home so changed that his mother was frightened. He told her he loved the princess so deeply that he could not live without her and meant to marry her if she would have him. His mother, on hearing this, burst out laughing. But at last, Aladdin prevailed upon her to go before the Sultan and carry his request. She fetched a napkin and laid in it the magic fruits from the enchanted garden, which sparkled and shone like the most beautiful jewels. She took these with her to please the Sultan and set out, trusting in the lamp. The Grand Vizier and the Lords of Council had just gone in as she entered the hall and placed herself in front of the Sultan. He, however, took no notice of her. She went every day for a week and stood in the same place. When the council broke up on the sixth day, the Sultan said to his vizier, I see a certain woman in the audience chamber every day carrying something in a napkin. Call her next time so that I might find out what she wants. Next day, at a sign from the visor, she went up to the foot of the throne and remained kneeling till the Sultan said to her, Rise, good woman, and tell me what you want. She hesitated, so the Sultan sent away all but the visor and bade her speak freely, promising to forgive her beforehand for anything she might say. She then told him of her son's love for the princess. I asked him to forget her, she said, but in vain he refuses. The Sultan asked her kindly what she had in the napkin, whereupon she unfolded the jewels and presented them. He was thunderstruck and turned to the visor saying, what sayest thou? Should I not agree to let the princess meet one who values her so? 
the visor, who wanted his own son to marry the princess, begged the sultan to talk to her and consider it for three months, and in the course of which he hoped his son would be able to make him a richer present. The sultan granted this and told Aladdin's mother that, though he agreed to introduce them, she must not appear before him again for three months. Aladdin waited patiently for nearly three months. But after two had passed, his mother, going into the city to buy oil, found everyone rejoicing and asked what was going on. Do you not know, was the answer, that the son of the Grand Vizier is to marry the Sultan's daughter tonight? Breathless, she ran and told Aladdin, who was overwhelmed at first, but presently thought of the lamp. He rubbed it, and the genie appeared, saying, What is thy will? Aladdin replied, The Sultan has broken his promise to me, and the vizier's son is to marry the princess. My command is that tonight you bring the bride and groom here. Master, I obey, said the genie. Aladdin then went to his room, where, sure enough, at midnight, the genie transported the vizier's son and the princess. Take this man, he said, and put him outside in the cold and return at daybreak. Whereupon the genie took the vizier's son, leaving Aladdin with the princess. Fear not, Aladdin said, no harm shall come to you. The princess was too frightened to speak and passed the most miserable night of her life, while Aladdin lay down and slept soundly. At the appointed hour, the genie fetched in the shivering man, put him back in place, and transported them back to the palace. Presently, the sultan came to wish his daughter good morning, and the unhappy vizier's son jumped up and hid himself, while the princess would not say a word, and was very sad. The sultan sent her mother to her, who said, How comes it, child, that you will not speak to your father? What has happened? The princess sighed deeply, and at last told her mother how, during the night, they had been carried into some strange house, and what had passed there. Her mother did not believe her in the least, and said it was just a dream. The following night, exactly the same thing happened. And the next morning, on the princess's refusing to speak, the sultan got angry. She then confessed all, bidding him to ask the vizier's son if it were not so. 
the Sultan told the vizier to ask his son, who said even though he dearly loved the princess, he did not want to go through such another fearful night and wished to be allowed to go home. His wish was granted, and there was an end to the feasting and rejoicing. When the three months were over, Aladdin sent his mother to remind the Sultan of what he had told her. She stood in the same place as before, and the Sultan, who had forgotten Aladdin, at once remembered him and sent for her. On seeing her poverty, the Sultan felt less inclined than ever to keep his word and asked the vizier's advice, who counseled him to ask for great riches if they still wanted to marry. The Sultan then turned to Aladdin's mother saying, good woman, a Sultan must remember his promises and I will remember mine. But your son must first send me 40 basins of gold, brimful of jewels, carried by 40 workers splendidly dressed. Tell him that I await his answer. The mother of Aladdin bowed low and went home, thinking all was lost. She gave Aladdin the message, adding, he waits for your answer. I will do a great deal more than that for the princess, her son replied. He summoned the genie, and in a few moments, the 40 workers arrived and filled up the small house and garden. Aladdin made them set out to the palace, two and two, followed by his mother. They were so richly dressed with such splendid jewels that everyone crowded to see them and the basins of gold they carried on their heads. They entered the palace and after kneeling before the Sultan, stood in a half circle round the throne with their arms crossed while Aladdin's mother presented them to the Sultan. He hesitated no longer, but said, Good woman, return and tell your son that we wait for him with open arms. She lost no time in telling Aladdin, bidding him make haste, but Aladdin first called the genie. I want a scented bath, he said, a richly embroidered outfit, a horse better than the sultan's, and 20 workers to attend me. Beside this, six workers beautifully dressed to wait on my mother. And lastly, 10,000 pieces of gold in 10 purses. No sooner said than done. Aladdin mounted his horse and passed through the streets the workers strewing gold as they went. Those who had played with him in his childhood knew him not, he had grown so handsome. When the Sultan saw him, he came down from his throne, embraced him, 
and led him into a hall where a feast was spread, telling Aladdin and his daughter that they could marry that very day if they wished. But Aladdin refused, saying, I must build a palace fit for her, and took his leave. Once home, he said to the genie, Build me a palace of the finest marble, set with jasper, agate, and other precious stones. In the middle, you shall build me a large hall with a dome, its four walls of massy gold and silver, each side having six windows, whose lattices, all except one, which is to be left unfinished, must be set with diamonds and rubies. There must be stables and horses and grooms. Go and see about it. The palace was finished by the next day, and the genie carried him there and showed him all his orders faithfully carried out, even to the laying of a velvet carpet from Aladdin's palace to the Sultan's. Aladdin's mother then dressed herself carefully and walked to the palace with her workers while he followed her on horseback. The Sultan sent musicians with trumpets and cymbals to meet them so that the air resounded with music and cheers. She was taken to the princess, who saluted her and treated her with great honor. At night, the princess said goodbye to her father and set out on the carpet for Aladdin's palace with his mother at her side and followed by the hundred workers. She was charmed at the sight of Aladdin who ran to meet her. Princess, he said, blame your beauty for my boldness if I have displeased you. She told him that having seen him, she wished to also marry him. After the wedding had taken place, Aladdin led her into the hall where a feast was spread, and she supped with him, after which they danced till midnight. <laughs> 